Thank you for joining us for episode 421 of Live Happy Now. This month is filled with holidays that celebrate our pets, so that's what we're going to do. I'm your host, Paula Phelps, and June happens to be National Adopt-A-Cat Month, National Microchip Month, and National Foster-A-Pet Month. We also have National Dog Dad Day on June 17th, National Dog Party Day on June 21st, and National Take Your Dog to Work Day on June 23rd. That is a lot of partying with your pet. But today, we want to focus on fostering and how it can help improve your well-being while changing the life of an animal forever. So I'm bringing in Live Happy's resident pet expert, Brittany Derenbacher, founder of Luna Bell's Moonbow's Special Needs Fostering in Louisville, Kentucky, to talk about how we can make the world a better place, one foster pet at a time. Let's have a listen. Brittany, welcome back to Live Happy Now. I'm so excited to be back. This is such a natural topic for us to discuss because it's National Foster a Pet Month. Mm-hmm. And you and I actually met because of you foster animals. I needed an animal. We connected. It's been a great thing. But, you know, during the pandemic, a lot of people were adopting and fostering pets. It was, it, you know, shelters were empty. There were waiting lists. So where are we at now? What's the current situation and the need for fostering? I think despite you know, COVID and how that drastically changed things, there is always a need. There will always, always, always be a need until we have legislation that changes or some type of like very serious systemic change politically to kind of change the environment and that is resulting right in these animals most of the time from overbreeding. But COVID was so interesting because it's like, it was such a positive boom. It was such a positive Mm -hmm. shift. All of these people wanted animals. They wanted to give love and they were going to shelters. They were going to rescues. People were stepping up to foster because they had so much time. And so I think even though we don't really have enough adequate data, I think eventually we will see how this has changed and affected. But I think it's only natural to assume that everyone went back to work. Everyone went back to you know chaotic schedules and life. And because of that, I think that there has been a shift, especially in rescue. There's not a single volunteer in shelter and in rescue right now that I don't know that is just inundated. I mean, at capacity, full of animals. And so, I mean, it's tough. I think we're kind of seeing it all play out in real time right now. And I wondered if it was just me or my area that I live in, because I've seen so many posts lately about like, our shelter is full. We cannot take Mm -hmm. anymore. Please, if you can foster, if you can adopt. Mm -hmm. And I've seen this so much in the last few weeks. Is that a product of us pendulum swinging from having done the fostering, having adopted, and now people are kind of going back and saying, I'm not cut out for this? I think that is definitely a piece. I think also we're seeing the result of breeding picked up. People needed to make money. And I also think there was a need for it. It picked up in all areas, right? And so we're just seeing a result of that. I just think that that shelters literally all over the country, shelters that normally would have, or rescues, right? That normally would have been more open for being the ones that would have been reached out to, to say like, Hey, we're full. Can you help? They're full. And so that I think is telling. Fostering 
gives so much. Of course, it gives a lot to the animal. It gives so much to the person who does that. And we're going to get into that. But first, tell us about your story and how you became involved in fostering, why you wanted to do that, because it really does kind of take a special mindset and a special person to want to do it at the level that you do it. Yeah. Uh, This is like a topic that is just like so heart-centered for me because it really comes from my relationship with my soul dogs, Sunshine and Zoe. They just taught me so much about myself. They brought so much joy into my life. And my relationship with them is what led me into fostering because I just had a lot of love to give. And, you know, I was in my early twenties. I loved doing volunteer work. I loved giving back. And since I was a child, I think I've always had a really unique bond with animals. I've always kind of played into that advocacy role for animals. And I felt very passionately about caring for them And so I just kind of started doing research on my end and looking into breed-specific rescues because Zoe and Sunshine were beautiful Boston Terriers, like perfect. (laughs) And yeah, so I started doing research and that's how I found the rescue that brought us together, Boston Terrier Rescue of East Tennessee, the Kentucky Division. And I started following them on Facebook. And that is, I mean, that was all it took. I loved following the dog stories. I loved seeing them end up in forever homes. And so I put in an application and, you know, there's a process that I had to go through some interviewing and having, you know, someone come to my home and make sure that it was going to be a safe and supportive environment for an animal. And I mean, you know, before I knew it, I had my first foster dog. His name was Louis Pierre. And it's just, it started it all. Well, and fostering is such an interesting relationship. I used to tell people it was like dating because it's like, I know I'm not going to have a permanent relationship with them. Mm-hmm. I'm just getting them ready for their mm-hmm. next perfect relationship. And it can be hard for people to understand how you can take a dog and give it your all, give it your entire heart, all your love, mm-hmm. and then send it to another family. So talk about the mindset. I know that you've coached people on this and helped them get through it because it can be tough the first couple of times. So what kind of mindset and what does it take to go in and have that pet foster parent attitude? Yeah, I'm glad that you asked this question because I think mindset in this role and in this job is key. Intentionality is key. And, you know, my advice is to go into this relationship and role with curiosity, with patience and eagerness to learn and a genuine heart-centered approach you know, for meeting the animal where they're at. And what I mean by that is like, we have to be able to meet this animal at kind of this very traumatic stage in their life and be willing to allow them to grow. Right. Right. They're not going to come to us. Perfect. That is rare. It does happen. It's like the unicorn and rescue work where you just get this dog that like, it's like, okay, this dog's ready for its home. Like nothing that we need to work on here. And many times when we get a dog into rescue and work to find a foster home for them, folks will ask, like, are they potty trained? Do they like kids? Are they leash chained? And, you know, in a perfect world, those would be really easy questions, right? Every single animal has their own story. And there's no way that any of us can predict or know most of the time they will not come with a story. Right. Right. They were found on the side of the road. And I think their own past and experiences of how they ended up needing rescue, it's a variable. Right. And so oftentimes we we don't we just don't know any of those things. All we know is that they need rescuing ASAP. 
I think the biggest thing that people don't see behind the scenes is the immediacy and the urgency that often happens in needing to get that animal into care quickly. And so we just don't have the ability to like stop and see, is this dog potty trained? You know, is this dog going to be okay with your kid? We just have to be willing to meet them where they're at and give them time, give them the opportunity to be nurtured under care and safety of a loving foster home. Typically, like this is the case. They will be nurtured. They will be loving, amazing animals. And all of that will be super reciprocal too. They nurture us and we also grow. So if we're willing to lean into that and have patience with that, I think that's that's the mindset. When pets come in, and to your point, they often are not perfect. I think I've had one dog in 20 years that he came in, he was potty trained, he was like, good to go. And they have a lot of damage to them. So let's talk first about what the pet receives when we become foster parents. For the pet, I just think that the field of animal sheltering has come a long way. And so I I definitely want to say that. I don't want it to come off like this is in any way uh, shaming shelters. I just think that even in the best circumstances, animal shelters are a stressful place, right? right? It's a stressful place for animals, especially if they've been traumatized, to come into an environment that's loud, uncertain, with a lot of moving pieces, right? And so that's what I mean by saying that, like, that it's stressful, loud, overwhelming to the senses. A lot of shelters will work on those sensory things, and that is part of volunteers' jobs is to literally go around and give a treat to make a sound, whether it be chimes, just sensory things to keep the dog engaged. But the environment is still so overwhelming for animals and it causes them to shut down emotionally and it you know, enacts that freeze response in the animal. And sometimes they display reactive behaviors due to the stress that them then kind of labels them as the bad dog, right? And doesn't that keep them from getting adopted? Oh, and- yeah. They quite literally will be moved to a different part of that shelter you know, in quarantine away and you can't go past that area. Right. And so Mm -hmm. it completely denies them the ability of being seen. Foster homes uniquely allow that animal to be seen, right. To decompress from the stress of living in the shelter. They just work wonders for an animal's nervous system. It gives them the chance to live in a home where they have the grace and the ease to safely express their personality. And it's amazing to see that. It is amazing to see that animal come in that doesn't even play with a toy, right? That won't even come near you. It gives them such an opportunity and a chance to overcome fears and many times recover and decompress from that trauma, right? Yeah, it does. And one thing that I've had people kind of, I wouldn't say it's their argument, but they say that, well, isn't it hard on the animal because now you've taken them out of an unknown situation, which we don't know where they dumped, where they lost, Mm -hmm. whatever it was, and you're giving them a home and then you pull them out of that home again. Mm -hmm. And I know you've gone through this process many, many times. So Mm -hmm. can you address that? That is probably one of the most frequent questions that I'm asked right? Is how do you just continue to pass the dog along? That's how it's perceived to others. Right. To me, it's like, this is the safe landing pad. I'm going to empower you. I'm going to give you all the skills that you need to succeed. And I'm going to find you your perfect match. You know, that family is out there that can meet every single one of those needs. And 
when you move into that space, when the animal moves into that space, it's going to flourish. Animals are the most resilient creature. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of the times we project our human emotions onto these animals. And really they are a shining example of post-traumatic growth. Yeah, because I've seen dogs who have been through an amazing amount of trauma and abuse and the way that they're able to love and heal and become kind and tender beings has always amazed me. And that was one thing that attracted me to fostering was because I was dealing with some trauma in my own life that I was trying to work through and Mm. being able to work with animals during that time and see them come from abusive situations and become whole was really, they were teaching me, you know, I was learning a lot from them about, about that. And I think it's just been an incredible journey for me to watch how animals do heal and how they teach us to heal our hearts. Right. Because essentially we're giving a voice to the voiceless. Mm -hmm. So you will see that a lot of people that are in some type of animal care work will have had, you know, trauma at some point in their life, because I think this work just so deeply is connected to that need to help and to give a yeah. voice and to advocate. And so that comes from a place, you know? Mm-hmm. So talk to me about the mental health benefits that we receive as foster parents, because mm-hmm. I've discovered so many benefits from it. It's just an incredible experience. Yeah. And shout out to one of our past episodes together, right? Like we love to talk about animals and mental health. And if you haven't listened to the episode already, it's called Celebrating Our Pets. And we really go like super deep on all the benefits of that. But literally animals improve everything, (laughs) everything. (laughs) They improve our mental health period, mentally, physically, spiritually. And another thing that we've explored together is that they improve our lives cognitively. But I think the unique thing that fostering does that can be really important for people that, that have busy lives or don't really have the ability to have an animal in their home full time is that it gives them companionship and joy with an animal without that lifelong commitment. Mm -hmm. You know, so it can be like, let me do this for a couple of weeks, take a little break, a couple of weeks, you know, a little break. It's kind of like being the cool aunt. Yeah, exactly. Right. (laughs) You get to send them home. You get to send them (laughs) to their forever home. And I think that's really cool. And most importantly, in regards to mental health is that it gives us purpose. So that's huge. That can be big for someone who say is suffering from depression and has Mm -hmm. trouble, like doesn't have a reason to get off the couch, doesn't have a reason to do something. Like if all you have to do, like, let me get up and feed this cat. Let me take this dog outside for a walk. And you start making these small things because you have to, and it starts snowballing into a, an upward mental health improvement. Yeah. You're needed. You're Mm -hmm. giving back. You're enacting change in someone's life. That's rewarding. That gives a person hope. That gives a person confidence. And I think that animals do such a good job of relieving stress in our life and helping us cope easier with life changes. So they more than anyone, right, know that too. So they can teach us all of those things. Yeah. They know the best ways to relieve stress. They know how to cope with changes and transition. This foster will know all of those things. They're living it. So absolutely. So I just think that is, it's such a very special reciprocal relationship in regards to mental health and to 
those benefits. And one thing that you brought up, you mentioned that if you don't have the time, you don't have to have this as a full-time foster. And I think that's something that's really important to bring up because there are several programs where you can do something for a day. I met when I was in Nashville, there was a guy who his dog had died and he didn't really have the time to take on a new full-time dog. So he would go on his lunch hour and he would walk dogs at the shelter. And I've got friends who take their kids every weekend and they meet dogs. And part of their job is like to learn how these dogs do with children. There are other things besides having this dog full time. Can you talk about that? How you can find some of these opportunities? Yeah. Every single volunteer position matters. I cannot stress that enough. It is rescue work. Shelter work is a well-oiled machine that requires a lot of people in different pieces, right? It is not just one person fostering. It's not just one person adopting. There's so much happening behind the scenes that require sometimes very minimal effort that's still super rewarding. So like you said, you can go and stop at the shelter and walk the dog or, you know, stop by the shelter and pet the cats. You can pick an animal up and you can take them out for the day and socialize them, right? You can give them that one-on-one attention. You can be the transport driver that picks the animal up from wherever it is, takes it to the vet or takes it to the to the foster home. Every single piece matters. And as a volunteer, you really are an invaluable part of this life-saving team. It's teamwork. You feel that reward because it has that same, it doesn't really matter what role you're playing. You still have that same kind of team mentality. It's like, we placed this dog, we found her this home, we, you know, and now we get to watch her flourish on social media. So yeah, it really does become this great team effort. So let's talk about children and what children can learn. You know, the last dog that I adopted had been fostered by a woman who had two young children. Mm -hmm. And I thought that's so great because I saw how her children were with Rocco. And I thought, man, that's really incredible for them to be raised in that environment of fostering and knowing like, I'm going to care for this dog and then I'm going to give them to this forever home. So tell me what that can do for children and how that's going to affect both the children and future animals down the road. Fostering is a very unique and empowering way to teach your children responsibility, right? Responsibility in pet ownership, but also just responsibility in things around them, compassion, helping others. I think that parents worry a lot about their kids getting too attached, but in my experience, the kids are the most resilient. Again, it's like these adult humans projecting a lot of their, (laughs) you know, a lot of their stuff on these animals and the kids. And really the kids are the understanding ones. They're so, so helpful and essential in these transitions. And what's most helpful again, is the intentionality you take before stepping into this role as a foster. So taking the time to really be diligent about talking to your kids about this important job that they have, you are going to be doing such an important job in this animal's life and preparing, you know, this animal to go to their forever home. Like, how cool is that? That this is your job. And by letting them go to the families who will love them, we're doing the best thing for them. And so in turn, we're getting to help more animals. So that's the message that you want to give the kids. Also give it to yourself. Yeah. (laughs) Just personal (laughs) advice. Give it to yourself too. yourself while you're talking. Yeah. (laughs) I think that kids in general raised around animals have better self-esteem, better confidence, connections to love and compassion, empathy. And the coolest thing is like nonverbal communications. Animals uniquely teach us that. 
And so kids are able to learn that. And I think something also worth mentioning here in regards to kids is most high schools across the U.S. require service hours from their students and animal care services count for that. So I kind of want to give a plug for that because that's something that I really loved anytime that someone reached out to the rescue and, you know, talking about their kid needing service hours, like, Hey, can we foster a dog? Yes, you can. Yes, It's just, it's a win-win. Yeah. Right. Oh, that's terrific. I hadn't even Mm -hmm. thought about that. I do love seeing when kids are involved in it and and how that changes it. And that's super, super cool. And I know that you've seen so many different situations and you kind of went next level with your special needs foster group. Tell us a little bit about that and how it started. My favorite story to share. Our rescue is named Luna Bell's Moonbows Special Needs Rescue. And it's named after our first special needs dog. Her name was Luna Bell. She came to us at three days old and had a cleft palate. It taught me so much about myself. It taught my husband so much about himself. And we really thrived in that environment and advocating for her and learning about her. And when she ultimately, she had a lot of other complications that typically happens when you have an animal that has a congenital issue. We had her for little close to two months. And we just wanted to honor her life. Once she passed, we just felt so strongly that we wanted to continue to give back in that way and learn as much as we could. And I feel like it kind of like universally opened this door where people started reaching out to us. And it really grew over time because it, how we started to conceptualize what this work meant really started to broaden where we were taking in elderly animals, needed some medical care, or needed to be permanent fosters. We took in animals that maybe had behavioral challenges due to trauma, and we worked with them for long periods of time and found them very special foster homes. I wanted you to tell that story because I really do want to bring this up. I've heard people talk about, like, I can't take in an elderly dog. I can't take in a special needs because it's too heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. And you and I, one thing that we share is when I was doing fostering, I always went with the elderly dogs. And there was just something to me about being able to care for a dog, knowing that they were going to spend the last days of their lives Mm -hmm. being loved, that I knew they would not die alone. And that took the difficulty out of helping them pass somehow. Mm -hmm. So talk about that. When you foster special needs or elderly pets, you know, what keeps you fostering despite the fact that you know you're going to lose them? It is such a gift to be able to give love in that way and create space for that animal who often would have been overlooked, who often would have maybe been euthanized and giving them the opportunity to find peace and love and wholeness in a home to me, there is no greater gift. It has been the most rewarding you know, years of my life to be able to give back in that way to these animals. And I have gained so much from that, like confidence, empowerment, advocacy tools, empathy. It really drove me to become a therapist, right? Mm-hmm. It drove me like to continue to broaden this idea of what our relationships are with people and with animals and to, you know, lean into providing pet loss care and grief support for people. 
I just think that our relationships with these specific animals, especially like uniquely abled animals and elderly animals who show up with so much gratitude to us, right? Just gratitude for the opportunity to just be. What's hard to explain to people, it's obvious what the pet is getting. It's obvious that the animal's getting a lot of love. They're getting a lot of care. It might be more difficult from the outside to see what we as the carer and the care provider is receiving. But the gifts are incredible. It's such a huge reward that you get from just being able to have the honor of being that person in that pet's life that that makes gives them that soft landing place and takes them through to the end of their life. So if someone's interested in fostering, where do they start? Say you want to foster breed specific. What's your favorite animal, right? Say your your favorite animal is a Boston Terrier and you live in Maine. You know, start googling those rescues and just start following them. Just be a curious observer and ask questions. Keep asking the questions. Keep being mm-hmm. involved in the process. That's great. That's great. So we're going to give them some information about your site and and where they can find more about the work that you're doing and maybe some links on where they can start looking into how they can foster. But as we let you go, knowing that this is National Foster a Pet Month, what is the one thing that you want everybody to take away from this? Fostering saves lives. And it is the most reciprocal relationship that you will have. Just do it. Love it. Brittany, thank you so much. You always have so much to tell us about, you know, living our lives better with animals. And I appreciate you doing that. Thank you so much. That was Brittany Derenbacher talking about the many benefits of fostering a pet. There is such an enormous need for foster homes right now, and we'd like to encourage you to consider fostering a pet from your local shelter or rescue group. And if you'd like to learn more about Brittany and Luna Bell's Moonbow's special needs fostering, or follow her on social media, just visit us at livehappy.com and click on the podcast tab. That is all we have time for today. We'll meet you back here again next week for an all-new episode. And until then, this is Paula Phelps reminding you to make every day a happy one.